Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon. Joined, as always, by one of the top rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. And today we have a very special guest, one of the goats in the industry, uh, one of the co-founders of Establish the Run, my man, Evan Silva. Evan, what's going on? What's going on, guys? I'm, I'm ready for this. I mean, we're, what, two weeks out? Yep, uh, yep. Shit's about to get real. Yes, it's going to get real. We're going to talk all sleepers today because, you know, those are the guys that are going to hopefully win your league. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, just want to r- remind everyone that uh, if you like the pod, be sure to leave a rating and review uh, on Apple. Uh, we choose our favorite each week uh, and you get a free year of Action Pro. Uh, this week's winner is WJS345. So congrats, WJS345. Hit up podcast at Action Network dot com to claim your free year of action pro uh let's just jump right into it uh evan we're going to start with running backs because you can never have enough running backs but you can't you can't go crazy draft them in like the first five rounds either because they play fewer games uh they get hurt more all that stuff so um give me some sleepers that you like at running back for 2022 i think one of the easiest answers is sleeper that really hit big time last year and I mean nobody was even taking him I lucked out and took him in the uh, pros versus Joe's FFPC draft last year in the my, with my last pick and that was Cordero Patterson mm. and this year he is again outside of the top 36 in ADP uh, I thought that Tyler Algier might make a run at his uh, job his early down job but Tyler Algier really hasn't made any progress if you look at the preseason depth charts so far uh, I think everybody's kind of on Isaiah Pacheco at this point. I did an FFPC main event draft uh, with some buddies the other day. He went at 7.02. Oh, wow. Uh, but, I mean, hey, listen, he, he plays in, in, a, in, a, in an explosive offense. He's 216 pounds, and he ran sub 4-4 coming out of college. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, there's just been a lot of issues with Miles Sanders, you know, and Kenneth mm-hmm. Gainwell we know can play in the passing game. I think might have more upside – to, uh, to do more than that. 
Uh, and I, I think I believe in this Philadelphia offense, especially from a run game standpoint. But I think he has a chance to dominate the passing game snaps there. Naheem Hines is still getting drafted outside of the top 36 RBs. And I think he's a, a virtual lock, assuming that he stays relatively healthy, mm-hmm. to finish as a top 25 fantasy running back in full PPR. Yeah, I love me some Naeem Hines. I was, you know, it's kind of as simple as Frank Reich kind of tipping us off to it. But, you know, you see every other year they start giving him more touches again and then they, they tail off and then they want to get him back involved. So I think this is one of those years. Um, Sean, what about you? Who do you like at running back? Yeah, so once you get outside of the top 36, these are technically, you know, they're going to begin the season as the backup. Um, so that's why I do my running back upside ratings, you know, article and chart that I keep up to date because – um, I, I consider, you know, three different groups of running backs. So I'll just give like one or two from each group. Sure. Uh, but the first group of running back is a true handcuff. And, you know, that's a backup who probably won't offer any value as long as the starter is healthy. But once the starter goes down, you know, they're going to offer RB3 flex, possibly more value um, when the starter is out. And there's no better candidate for that than Alexander Madison mm-hmm. at RB41. I mean, he he's unplayable when Dalvin Cook's healthy. Uh, realistically. So once, once Dalvin Cook does go down or miss time, you know, he offers low end RB1 value. So he is the premier guy in that group. Um, and then we have our third down back PPR specialist. These backs don't offer too much upside, but they're nice to have, um, you know, on your bench, if you're dealing with a ton of injuries or it's a heavy bye week and you just need a handful of points in PPR formats, guys like Naheem Hines that Evan mentioned, JD McKissick, possibly like a James Cook would fit that mold as well. Those kind of guys, it depends on your, how your draft's going, but they they offer a nice high floor in the later rounds. Um, and then the third bucket is backup running backs who have potential to become an RB3 or flex value, even if the starting running back, the week one starter, is healthy all season. So guys, uh, I mean, these guys are outside of the top 36 right now, but Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson look like they might be the week one starters anyway. Um, so I love the upside they provide. And then, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, Isaiah Pacheco, Tyler Algier don't necessarily need an injury um, to, you know, uh, have a bigger role, enough of a role to have RB3 flex value. Plus, they all have injury upside anyway. But that third bucket um, is probably the the area I like to target the most because they're less dependent on the starting running back's health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I love Brian Robinson. He's going to RB57. Like now we're starting to see like, OK, he started the game for Washington, you know, Gibson was being used a little more on, you know, passing downs. I think, you know, obviously it's not ideal with McKissick also in the mix, but if Robinson's going to, he could potentially lead this team in carries this year. And so I think we have to take him seriously. There's really no downside at RB 57. And he's averaging three yards after contact, you know, so in the preseason. So that's, that's always a good sign. I think that's what they want out of Gibson. Um, Pacheco's been consistently in there um, as a second running back after Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And remember, Darrell Williams, better fantasy finish last year than, than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I think you want to take Pacheco seriously. He's also getting red zone looks in each of those two games. So uh, it okay. seems like they trust him. Uh, Damian Pierce, you know, Sean, you and I were at the game. Uh, we, we were, we, <laughs> we were, were excited we were to see him play. We were sad <laughs> that he wasn't getting any snaps with the first and second team. And then we realized that he just wasn't going to play. So um, he got the, he might've <laughs> yeah. got the starter treatment. It's what it looks like. Um, so I, I think you, you, you want to take a shot on him. Uh, he's at RB44. And then one other guy that we didn't mention, uh, Daryl Henderson, you know, all camp we've been hearing, you know, 
Yeah. They want to split. They want to kind of split those RB one reps. And at first, I didn't believe it. You know, I, they they used Cam Akers a ton, even when he was hurt last year. But all the reports have said they've split first team reps equally in camp. McVeigh has said himself he considers them co RB ones this year. This is one of the best offenses in the league, and you might not pass as much as last year because Matthew Stafford's going through some things. You know, Van Jefferson's going through some things. Um, so I think it's smart to have you know even if he's the second running back or the one B on the Rams, I think it's smart to invest in Henderson. Uh, at RB41. Uh, all right, let's jump right into wide receivers. Probably just the, another one of the most important positions to, to, to find some sleepers at. Evan, who do you like there? Kadarius Tony is still being drafted outside the top 36. Have you guys seen Kenny Galladay the way he's been moving uh, so far? He's, I mean, and, Slow. And, and he's popping up with I know Rayvon's a Giants fan. Uh, you know, bless him. But uh, Kenny Galladay is just – all out of gas and, and also having uh, more hip problems, mm-hmm. which has been an ongoing chronic problem uh, for Kenny God. Just he can't get open anymore, you know, and, and he doesn't have a quarterback who can throw him open like he did in Detroit with Matthew Stafford uh, and Kadarius Tony. I mean, look, I, I like Wondell Robinson, but Wondell Robinson is a five, seven rookie out of Kentucky. Kadarius Tony showed last year in very limited spurts that he could be a target hog. And then he can also be dynamic with the ball in his hands. Um, so I, I think he's a guy to continue to uh, aggressively uh, draft. Christian Kirk so far has shown a ton of rapport with Trevor Lawrence. We had Matt Harmon on the Establish the Run podcast, and Christian Kirk's uh, reception perception was very impressive. He's a guy who can play inside and out. He's always been good with the ball in his hands. You go back to Texas A&M, he was an excellent return man. Uh, and now he's going to get the opportunity to catch, uh, you know, hauling a, a bunch of targets. I mean, I think he's got 120, 130 target potential. Um, Robert Woods, I know, you know, the, this type of guy is not generally perceived as like a sleeper, but he goes so late in drafts. Traylon Burks has been struggling um, you know, so far in preseason and in camp, also struggling with injuries. Robert Woods has not. I mean, he's made an impressive recovery from his ACL injury, and I think that he could – uh, find a, a lot of rapport with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and Chris Olave is still uh, in, uh, going outside of the top 36 in terms of ADP at wide receiver. The Saints paid a ton for this guy. And he, I think, you know, if you look at the skill set of Jameis Winston uh, and, and the skill set of Chris Olave, I think they have a chance to riff much more than Michael Thomas, who really plays on the interior. Chris Olave is a perimeter receiver. That's where Jameis throws the ball best. Yeah, absolutely. I think and, and Michael Thomas is hurt again, too, on top of that. So, yeah, we don't really know, like, what's good with him, because sometimes you come back from like a serious, you know, ankle injury and then you're kind of overcompensating and then other things kind of suffer. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm liking a lot more and more. And the Saints are just amazing at drafting. Like they they fought like they found Michael Thomas, you know, outside the first round. I, I You know, they Olave is a guy who went a couple. He went in the first round, but like not everyone thought he was going to go as high as he did. So um, I trust the Saints when it comes to, to wide receiver evaluation. John, what about you? Would you like a wide receiver? Yeah. So my draft strategy this year, once once the top 36 are off the board, I better have three or four wide receivers. I'm not waiting at wide receiver necessarily. So once they're off the board, uh, you need to be taking flyers uh, to fill out your bench. So uh, in the wide receiver 40 to 45 range, I love Drake London. He's my favorite rookie wide out. Unquestionably going to be the number one wide receiver for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. I'm not scared about the knee injury. They're just being you know cautious with them. And then don't for, I know Romeo Dobbs, the hype is real. I, I believe in him, but I think Alan Lazard 
could benefit from having uh, a guy like Dobbs step up. I don't really consider Lazard a number one wideout. Um, I'm really investing in him because of his touchdown upside. So I think Dobbs may, you know, take some of the defensive attention away from him. So I'm still getting Lazard in that 40 to 45 range. And then it goes without saying, you know, Pickens and Dobbs, we talked about this. They're the best kind of flyer to take. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Take Devontae Parker. We know what his ceiling is. It's not mm-hmm. as high as these guys. So that's why I love taking flyers on them. The hype is real. And then three, like, deeper flyers that I like to take are Nico Collins, Josh Palmer, um, and even K.J. Osborne. Just Nico Collins, you know, he's he looks like a lot to be the number two wideout now that John Michi, unfortunately, is going to miss his rookie season. Um, and I love, you know, investing in Collins because I, I believe him as a rookie. I think he's going to break out this year. And the Texans are going to have to throw a lot. So I just love the situation for Collins heading into this season. And then Josh Palmer, I might've been a year too early on him. I really thought he was going to overtake Jalen Guyton as the number three wide receiver in this offense. I think that is going to happen this year. He has been showing out um, in preseason. So I, you know, I love investing in a Justin Herbert any way possible. And Josh Palmer seems the cheapest way to do that. Uh, And then KJ Osborne. I mean, he finishes the wide receiver 38 last year. Um, and in this new scheme under Kevin O'Connell, I expect they're going to be running even more 11 personnel. Um, so, you know, I, I, he's a no-brainer in this wide receiver 75 to 80 range. Those are the three guys like targeting super late. In the have, have, have either of you guys talked yourselves yet into Sammy Watkins? No. Absolutely not. This is not a, not a Sammy Watkins <laughs> okay. podcast. Feel free, to, feel free to pitch him. Sammy will stay healthy. No, I mean, I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. He probably won't. You know, I mean, he's, he's already been hurt at one point in camp, but – it does sound like, I mean, based on the, on the beat writer reports that uh, Aaron Rodgers trusts him, wants him to be uh, a starter in, in three receiver sets. He's not that old. I mean, he's not even 30 years old yet. I know we even say this every year about Sammy Watkins. But, I mean, this is like his best opportunity in a while to really to, to have, a, have a chance to – I mean, and, and look, he, he did – he kind of failed with Patrick Mahomes, although he would pop up for big games every once in a while, especially in the playoffs. You know, they, they would call him playoff Sammy. But I, I don't know, you know, he's going to the 18th round, guys, you know, of 20-man drafts. I, I'm willing to take him there. Do you right? think he'll be sort of the MVS role in this offense? I would rather him not be the MVS <laughs> role, I think, because you know, because that's such a high-variance role. Yeah. The Chiefs did use him like that at times uh, when he was in K- Kansas City. I, I don't know. I mean, he's, I just think, you know, at his age, no one wants to take him. You know, including you, John. So, um, you know, it's like I'll, I'll, I'll take him in the eighteenth. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if he stays healthy, he, he would definitely crush ADP there. Yes, I mean somebody's got to catch these passes, man. You know, it's it's going to be and Cobb is apparently a third or two, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, right, <laughs> they're the dustiest receiver core you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and there's some bad ones too, but yeah, that's it's that's why we like Dobbs though. But uh. Yeah, I mean, I like Dobbs. Right. I think I think he's a guy like when you're drafting like like Sean said, you know, you have to have your receivers locked in by the time like that top 36, top 40 is kind of off the board. Mm-hmm. So you're just looking for guys that you can eventually are gonna could be a number one target in an offense or maybe a number two. And I think Dobbs, you know, he's he's been targeted on 12 of his 29 routes this preseason. And that's exactly wow. what you want. That's exact that's 41%. It's exactly what you want to see from a guy playing against mostly second and third stringers. Cause that means that he could be, you know, a guy that gets, you know, 20, 25% 
um, when the real games start. So I, I love him. I think George Pickens at 54, um, you know, he's been targeted on 22% of his routes. So he's been playing with the starters. And uh, I think he played just as much as Quaypool, you know, when, when they kind of use their first team offense. So I think he has a real shot at being like the second most targeted player on the Steelers. And that's, you know, that's still, you know, as good as he is, I think that's that's something that we want to see. And, and that could turn into, you know, startable value. Uh, Evan, you mentioned Olave. Uh, I think he has a chance to be the most targeted Saints receiver if Michael Thomas continues to struggle with his injuries. So love mm-hmm. him. And, you know, Woods, Kirk, you know, those guys that are in London, those guys that are kind of being there, Tony even, you know, guys that are their number one target. But you know, they're outside the top 36. I think you have to look at those guys. So um, we kind of covered them, covered them all. Let's let's jump to to tight end. Evan, who do you like at tight end? Well, if we're looking at uh, tight ends that are available outside the top 12 ADP mm-hmm. right now, and I've been looking at the uh, FFPC main event uh, ADP just from the last week, and Albert O from Denver has been dropping a little bit because they've been giving him so many preseason snaps. Yeah. Yet he's still been starting. And I think Nathaniel Hackett, the, the new Broncos coach, has kind of explained it like they need to get him more reps. He's just he's, – he's a raw athlete, you know. And I, I understand him playing him so much, but he's still with the starting unit. And I actually think that the, the takeaways, the, the negative takeaways, have been a little bit overblown. I think that he's going to end up playing a ton for the Broncos this year because, I mean, they don't really have great other options. They did, they did draft Greg Dulcich, but this dude, like, can't stay healthy. I mean – He's suffered multiple injuries so far. Rookie tight ends tend to struggle in the NFL. Another guy who has been a disappointment to this point uh, in his career due to injuries and like fluky injuries, like right now he's nursing a finger injuries, Irv Smith uh, in Minnesota. And I, I mean, he's always been an excellent pass catching prospect. He just has not been able to realize his potential because of these fluke injuries. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to be back for week one. He may start slow. Uh, but in this new pass heavier Vikings offense, I think he's got a chance to, to crush his ADP. Gerald Everett with the Chargers. Now, Gerald Everett is another guy who's always had a lot of potential. Uh, but I think this is the best offensive environment in which he has played in his career. Uh, and I think he's going to be the, the fairly clear cut number one tight end there. I want to get your guys' take on Taysom Hill because you can tell yourself a story where Taysom Hill is getting goal line carries, you know, playing snaps at quarterback. And we have tight end eligibility from this guy this year. I mean, you know, I I think he's one of the better late round picks, especially in tight end premium leagues. Yeah, I like that because I think Adam Troutman, they say he's having a pretty good camp. So I think he'll still be the starter, but there's still enough snaps for for the number two tight end. He could be a guy, especially with, you know, we don't know exactly if if Kamara might get suspended or not. There could be a point in the year where Taysom Hill is like the RB2. You know, Mark Ingram is, is, you know, on the wrong side of 30. Um, Their other backup running backs have been struggling in camp. Um, And, you know, who knows if Michael Thomas is hurt, they also could use Taysom at wide receiver some as well. So in a in a normal like 10 team week, he's probably not going to be a guy that you're using. But if you start yeah. getting into like, you know, 12, 14 team leagues or, or you take a shot in best ball. Yeah, I think as a late round pick, he has a lot of upside. And who knows, like maybe he ends up at, back at quarterback at some point. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be like that. Who is that? Joe Webb. He was a wide receiver and he started at quarterback yeah. like oh, over a decade ago. Glorious. That was so long ago. We're, we're really <laughs> dating ourselves with that, Sean. Uh, one other guy. <laughs> I wanted to mention is Isaiah Likely. Yes. Yes. Carolina yes. For the Ravens. And the Ravens don't have a number two receiver. They've got nope. Rashad Bateman. 
they're, they're going to run a ton of two and I think even three tight end sets. Isaiah likely has been crushing it in the preseason. Looks like a guy that they could have just stolen in the fourth round. He had a ton of production in college. He's a very good athlete. And I mean, you see what he's been doing in the preseason. Like, I mean, he's, I, I, you know, he's going to be tough to get behind as long as Mark Andrews is healthy. But if something were to go happen with Mark Andrews, like Isaiah likely could be a tight end one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to the point, to your point with likely, they may just use him as like a slot receiver because Bateman, they were lining Bateman up at the X. So they still could use mm -hmm. um, likely as kind of like a, even a Z, like as the flanker where he's not on the line of scrimmage, or they could just use him in yeah. the slot. Like a, he could be Mike Gesicki, you know, just like he's a glorified oh, wide receiver. So yeah, I don't mind likely. I mean, he's just been crushing it all preseason. I, I think, I think he is their second best mm -hmm. wide receiver at this point. So um, yeah, I, I like like I think that's a that's actually an amazing late round pick that you could get for free. And, uh, you know, if nothing happens, nothing happens. But he, he's got a lot of upside. Sean. Yeah. So once the top 12 are off the board, you're basically, you know, streaming to begin the season. I think the real sleeper is you got to monitor the waiver wire the first few weeks. Um, usually once the season starts, we see which tight ends are, you know, surprisingly running around over 70 percent of the time in a good offense. Guys that come to mind last year, guys like Dawson Knox. Dalton mm -hmm. Schultz, Zach Ertz yep. once the trade happened, yep. Pat Fryermuth once Ebron went down. So oh, yeah. when you when you punt tight end, you have to be ready to just pounce on whoever the next tight end one's going to be. Um, and there's going to be a few in this tier because I love this tight end two tier this year. So I think the one I want to start with is Tyler Higby. His ADP seems ridiculous right now, but he's really up there in like my top 15, but he's going to be running around 85, 90% of the time, potentially in the Rams offense. So you can't ask for more than that. He was a bit disappointing last year, but he could bounce back uh, this season, especially if teams start to really try to stop Cooper cup, you know, it could result in Higby seeing a couple more targets a game. So I like starting with him, but ultimately you want to be monitoring that waiver wire earlier in the season. And then a guy that I always bring up, I feel like I'm the only one talking about it or drafting him, but it's Hayden Hurst in best mm -hmm. ball format specifically. Uh, I've been able to get him outside of the top 30 a lot, but his ADP is up around 24 right now. But he's essentially replacing CJ Uzoma, um, who certainly is going to have spiked weeks. Um, but if if any one of the trio of wide receivers were to go down, then I think he might be viable in redraft leagues. But I just love the situation he's going into. He's a first-round talent. I think he's an upgrade over Uzoma. So love getting him late. And then I was going to bring up Isaiah Likely as well. I really could see them trying to figure out a way to use him as like a Kyle Pitts, Brevin Jordan, or like you said, Mike Gusecki role. So I think he's a guy that you definitely have to consider late uh, in, you know, premium tight end, deeper best ball type of formats, but he looks like he's going to be the real deal. Yeah. I think the thing with like tight ends, it comes down to routes, right? And like, if likely yep. can bust into that wide receiver rotation and get some snaps at tight end, like he could get to a, a point where given how efficient he's been, how much he's been targeted per route, you know, he could end up being valuable. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, you know, the Ravens number three target is still not that valuable, but you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's right. a guy that I think he's just been so good and popped so much that it would be, we would be remiss not to mention him. I think. Do you think he hurts Mark Andrews at all? I, I would say no, because I think Mark Andrews is – I think he's the best receiving tight end in the NFL. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not yeah. disagreeing with that at right, all. Right, 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 but, yeah, right. they, they really haven't had that second tight end since right. really Hayden Hurst left. So, yeah. back then, you know, we were fighting for him to get more than 60% routes run. I, I agree that it probably won't impact him at all. I was just – No, it's, any it's, slight it's, a, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good question. I think another good question is what are we doing this year with Mo Alley-Cox? Because – 
if you look at well, and I think Kylan Granson has looked actually a lot better this preseason than he did in his first year. Uh, but Mo Alley Cox, I mean, they trust him as a blocker. He's played a lot of snaps o- over the past few years. As you, they don't call routes for him. You know, yeah. now Jack Doyle is gone, and yeah. these other uh, these other tight ends that they have behind him, like he's going to be out there a lot. And and uh, you know what? A lot, oftentimes, what happens with these tight ends that are not you know in our first year in our top twelve is they it's just everything is dictated by touchdowns. So if this guy comes in and scores eight nine touchdowns, he's going to end up as like a top eight tight end. Um, and I think Mo Ali Cox with the you know the basketball background, he can win contested catch. Look at his yards per route run at, at PFF over the, over the last few years. Like he's been you know very good. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, I, I think he's a pretty good player, and I think they trust him. They gave him a, a nice little deal, and I, I think he's kind of interesting. For touchdown upside, for sure. Yeah, he's been he's been moving up my board, especially you know with Ogletree was that just got hurt. So I think it comes down to touchdowns a lot and in routes. So it's you know for me, I think Higby, you know, and, and Everett, the two that stand out a lot because both of these are going to be, you know, we expect it to be like top five, top top eight pass offenses. He'd be first in routes per drop back among all tight ends last year at 86%. And then Everett, I just think, you know, in that Jared Cook role, he's a younger, more, you know, just more athletic guy at this point in his career. That So he could put up uh, sneakier numbers than Cook did. And then, um, you know, to your point about Irv Smith, I mean, if he gets the the Higby treatment, like Higby, again, he was fifth in routes and first in routes per drop back. You know, if Smith gets that kind of usage, Kirk Cousins has been, you know, is it 68 touchdowns in the last two years? Like, um, I, I think that could be very profitable as well. And then that's that's kind of why we like Albert O, because it's, it's Russell Wilson. You expect him to throw, mm-hmm. you know, 30, right. 35 scores. And Albert O's targets per route was 23.5% last year. And he's always been a tight end that when he's on the field, ton of targets. So, yeah, I, I kind of look for those guys yeah. that, that are attached to those good QBs. All right, let's uh, let's finish it up with quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, this is this is a position we tend to wait on a lot. Uh, so Evan, who are you getting when you when you wait on quarterback this year? Well, I think if you look at the complexion of the AFC West right now, and you've got you know Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert and, and Patrick Mahomes, I think that Derek Carr has a chance at a real big year. And I'm, I'm below consensus on Devonta Adams. That doesn't mean that I think that Devonta Adams is going to be a bum. I'm just not taking him in the top ten where he goes in like every single draft. You know, I have him as like I think number 16, 17. Yeah. Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro has been, you know, a, a slot machine. And then I think there's just a lot of shootout potential with all these great quarterbacks in the AFC West. So I think that Derek Carr is a guy who can beat his ADP. I think that Kirk Cousins can beat his ADP in this new offense. Trevor Lawrence had, I would say, a, a, an underwhelming rookie year. But if you consider the context in which his rookie year occurred with Urban Meyer and all that crap that went on there, Doug Peterson is going to add a, a, a major level of stability there in Jacksonville. And I think that we can probably all agree that Trevor Lawrence, big, big, big time talent. I wanted to like Daniel Jones, but the more that we hear about this situation uh, and he's not playing well, and they're already talking about Tyrod Taylor could overtake him within the first month of the season. Marcus Mariota is free in drafts. Yes. And um, you know, when, when he's been healthy and that has been few and far between, uh, I mean, he, you know, he's a, a classic dual threat. Um, and I think that Arthur Smith will probably have a better second year as a head coach than he did a first year. You know, Marcus Mariota playing indoors. The defense is going to be terrible. They're going to have to put put up points to, you know, stay somewhat competitive. And, and no one's drafting Marcus Mariota. 
Yeah, I like I like me some Mariota too. I, I think you know just having that rushing upside is like that's that's what you want yeah. out of these quarterbacks when you're, you're yeah. you don't have these like locked in top twelve guys. John, what about you? Who do you like for sleepers at QB? Yeah, so I mean at QB, once the top twelve are off the board, if you're in a redraft league where you start one QB, this is you know streamer territory. So. Again, just you're going to be streaming the best ranked quarterback that week. We're just taking advantage of matchups. And then you'll be surprised by the time you get to the fantasy playoffs, you'll usually have, uh, you know, QB1 locked up. I've done it before with like Jalen Hurts in years past, Justin Herbert. You're always going to have somebody that you end up just keeping the rest of the season. So it's definitely a viable strategy. But if you're in a two QB super flex format, you can't go wrong with Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Those guys offer a super high floor. And I think that they have one of the highest ceilings they've had in their career heading into this mm-hmm. year. You know, as Evan mentioned, you know, Carr's going to be a bunch of shootouts. He has an elite pass catching corpse with, you know, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and then Kirk Cousins. I love him in this new scheme under Kevin O'Connell. I think they're going to be even more pass heavy up tempo. So I love those two um, in that range. And then when you get later, I still like Daniel Jones. Just I can't get over just the rushing upside. Um, I think, you know, Brian Dable can't hurt. Um, so we have yet to see Daniel Jones' true potential unlocked as a dual threat quarterback. So still like him where you can get him super late. Um, and then Jared Goff, Raybon. I mean, yes, that's, that's our guy right now. Just that yeah. offense uh, has so many weapons. And I love that they added DJ Chark, drafted Jamison Williams, yeah. adding a vertical threat. So I just love Goff. You don't really think of him as a high upside guy, but in a two QB format, getting him outside of the top 24 usually, I just love where he's going. Jamison Williams is an electrifying talent when they get him on the field. I mean, they're going to have Jamison Williams and DJ Chark, two like four, three, five guys on the outside, and then Amon Ra and Hawkinson in the middle. I mean, they have a really good offensive line. And DeAndre Swift to boot. And and DeAndre Swift, absolutely. I mean, they've got a ton of pass-catching talent in Detroit. Yeah, I think, like, Detroit this year is, like, that shootout team that comes out of nowhere. Like, I think Detroit is going to be in a ton of shootouts. I think their secondary is going to be bad. But I think, like you said, line is, like, top three for me. Like, they – I don't really see a weakness on their offensive line. Yeah. So – and then, like you said, they have good pass catchers to start the year. And then when they get Williams back, it's just going to take it to another level. So, yeah, I think Jared Goff is, like – he's, like, that pocket passer that, like – that's the pocket pass. Like I don't need, I can pass on like Matt Ryan and all these other guys. Like, just give me Jared Goff. I'm taking a pocket passer. Wait, but uh, two guys I'll mention. Cause I I'm, I'm in line with, you know, Carr and cousins, but um, you know, first of all, Trey Lance still has an ADP outside the top 12 and a lot of more casual leagues. So if that's your league, Trey Lance could win the MVP this year. Like I'm all in on Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan's scheme has been amazing where Debo and Ayuk are getting like eight yards after the catch, even though they're catching the ball like eight, 10 yards down the field. Like they're getting yak opportunities of like screen passes, except they're already at the first down marker. So like, I don't think Lance is going to have to do a whole lot, um, you know, in that scheme to like hit value, especially with his rushing upside. And then Justin Fields, he was a quarterback, even as bad as it got last year with Matt Nagy, with, you know, the receivers playing terribly, the no O-line. His last four starts that he finished the game because he got hurt in one of them with QB2, QB11, QB9, QB10. That's averages out to a QB8 finish. And it's just going to be just as bad this year, you know, like, you know, it's that rushing upside with with guys like Fields, with guys like Trey Lance, that I think that's what gives you that potential like top eight, top six upside that a lot of those court, like the Tua is probably not going to give you, you know, Matt Ryan's not going to give you that. So um, I really think, you know, Justin Fields is kind of my fallback strategy. If I can't get Trey Lance, I look at Fields. If not, 
Daniel Jones. He's throwing his QB 27. He finished his QB 18 last year and he threw like what, 11 touchdowns last year. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it, you don't need much from a guy like Daniel Jones. And I love yeah. the Mariota call as well. I think, I think Mariota, like he's going to be one of the top streamers. He's going to run. He runs with reckless abandon. So he might get hurt, but uh, he's free. Like you said, Evan. So uh, yeah, I, I'm all in on the rushing guys. That's going to wrap it up. Evan, uh, really, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, let everybody know uh, where you're at, where they can find you, what you're up to. Yeah, this might be the highest efficiency podcast <laughs> I've ever participated in in my life. But uh, yeah, uh, at Establish the Run, at Evan Silva, check it out. Uh, and thanks so much, guys, for having me. Uh, always a pleasure, Evan. We really appreciate you uh, coming on. You guys can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app where you can follow our bets or track yours. You can find all of our ranking projections uh, and fantasy draft content at actionnetwork.com or in the Action Network app. Uh, until next time, let's get this money.